0: Good morning, everybody. Hey, welcome to church today. My name is Tim, if we've never met before. I'm one of the pastors here, and I had a couple, I had a two-week siesta, hiatus from preaching. So thanks to Tim Porter and the new guy, Dan Clancy, for preaching last week. He only lied two times in his first two sentences. Uh, Actually, three times last week. So uh, first of all, last week was not the last week of this series. This week is the last week of this series. And then as Larry said, we'll begin a new series next week called Words to Live By. So thank you, new guy, for that. Second, uh, he called me Dr. Prince. And uh, and most of you had a good laugh, we all know that. There's a lot of new people here. And I had at least one person approach me and say, you're a doctor. (laughs) I said, that's a big joke. That, that, that's a big, I have a, I won't even say it, the level of my education, but yours is higher, okay? <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, I found a church with like a Dr. Stanley, a Dr. Tony Evans or something. No, no, and actually, you know, as long as we're making things up, just, why don't we, it's actually, when I introduce myself to people, it's, it's Reverend Dr. Pastor Bishop <laughs> Prince. So <laughs> if, if we could all just get on board with that made-up title. And then the third thing that he said is that he moved, I don't know if you caught it, he said that he moved to Wisconsin. <laughs> new guy, new guy, new guy. <laughs> it's Wisconsin with the emphasis on the uh, right? Okay, we'll get him, we'll get him talking like a cheese here, cheese head, you know. Don't you know? Yeah, it'll be great. Anyway. This week we're wrapping up, fear not, Raising Courageous Kids Together. And today there's going to be a lot of talk about being strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Okay, that's the first sentence that we're going to read in our scripture reading this morning. Be strengthened by the grace that's in Christ Jesus. And as always, you know, as I've been writing for you this week, uh, the concern has been that there's just never enough time to explain things like that, to illustrate it, to define things like that. And so I assume, as you're listening, that it goes something like this. Well, I hope it goes something like this. You, you hear what's being taught, and you say, okay, I hear what you're saying there, Tim. And then you "Oh, okay, you've shown it to me in the Bible, so I'm not going to just blow this off or ignore it. But I also assume that a lot of you leave with a lot of, of yeah, but what abouts. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, but what about, you know, my daughter uh, that struggles with panic attacks? What is strengthening her in the grace that's in Christ Jesus look like? Or You have a niece that uh, deals with chronic anxiety, and she has no interest in spiritual things, and you're asking, well, what does that mean for me to strengthen her in the grace that's in Christ Jesus, and so on? So if you're coming to the end of this series and you're like, okay, well, that was a great uh, overview, but I have specific questions and specific situations I'm trying to work this through. First of all, I want you to know that you can always reach out to us, okay? I would love to sit down with you and be as helpful as I can be. Uh, there are people in your missional community or the the ministries that you're a part of that you probably respect, you look up to, grab them, take them out for coffee, say, hey, I, got, I need one hour. I got a whole bunch of questions about what I'm hearing on Sunday morning. Uh, but also we host these classes called Freedom Groups, every semester here at Faith Community Church, to give you a chance and to give you time to think through all those different scenarios with some really gifted teachers. Okay, so if you're here this morning and you're like, okay, well that was a that was a good series, that was a good overview, but I got a lot of yeah buts or what abouts, I want to encourage you, go. Our, our pastor of biblical counseling, Pat Stream, will be in the ministry booth right after the service, and he would love to answer any questions you have and uh, see how we can be helpful to you in that way. Okay, everybody got it? We don't want you, we don't want you feeling lost. So our, our number one piece of feedback from freedom groups is, why doesn't everybody take this class? And we've had people come to us and say, I've been a Christian for 25 years. No one ever showed me what to do with this at home. And so that's part of why those are there, okay? All right. Let's start with a story this morning for our last uh, sermon in this series. A couple of weeks ago, my wife Darcy and I were invited to a friend's house to pray for their daughter. Uh, She's 20 years old and was getting ready to fly to South America. She's there this morning. She's ministering to women who work in the brothels of one of uh, their larger cities. She's working for an organization that seeks to care for and minister to those women. And for those who want to escape uh, that life, they seek to try to rescue those women in Jesus' name and to uh, set them on a path that would lead to a new life. This is her first time out of the country. I think she weighs 120 pounds soaking wet, maybe. She doesn't have an intimidating physical presence. She has a real a quiet and gentle spirit. She's a, a student at Northwestern in St. Paul. Go Eagles. But she loves the Lord. And for several years, God has been laying this kind of work on her heart, and she's just trying to be obedient. So as we gathered to pray for her a couple of weeks ago, I asked mom and dad, How are you guys doing? And I was so struck by her mother's response, I wrote it down right away to share with you this morning. Uh, Her mom's not a naive person, she's not indifferent to the danger, but she said, I know that the safest place for my daughter is wherever God calls her. I know that the safest place for my daughter is wherever God calls her. The work for this series actually began about a year ago, I think about 11 months or 12 months ago. I don't know if you'd remember at that time, but someone had leaked information to the press indicating that the Supreme Court was going to overturn Roe. And the country was blowing up. And even some in the church were blowing up. And I just began scribbling uh, notes. And one of the greatest heartaches for me in preparing for this series has been to read article after article and post after post about how confused we are about what a child is and what they're for. An early draft of this series was called What's a Kid For? But I thought that wouldn't look good on a poster. And so we changed it. But the confusion in our world, and even in the church, is palpable. Some of us worship children, so they're at the center of our universe, and everything revolves around them, and others hate them. I have read article after article and post after post about how children are an existential threat to bodily autonomy and the right to self-determination. They're a burden, they're a drag, they threaten the climate, they burden the system. Last year, Americans even coined a new term, a brand new term. Forced motherhood is what we call it when we can't abort them. And sometimes it feels like, if you're just reading, a whole generation of people has completely lost the vision for just the essential goodness of a house full of kids if God gave it to you. And the goodness and potential of building families as your calling. Even in the church, people ask sometimes, why would anyone wanna bring children into this world? A couple, this is many years ago now, but several years ago, a man in, in church I was talking with him, and because of the politics of that particular moment in time, because of the politics at that moment in time, said to me, I wouldn't want to bring sons into this world. I said, well, I would. Think about that. To get to build men with my wife and with you, my church, To get to build men together and see them saying yes to Jesus and to get to teach them about the awesome calling of manhood that God has laid in front of us and then to see them filled with the Spirit to fulfill that calling. I would do that. To see your daughters growing up to be courageous brave gentle quiet spirited clothed in valor and wisdom and then saying yes to the call of jesus to go to the most dangerous places in the world just because they think god has called them there i would i would do that i just want us to see what a kid is for that they're a gift A gift given for the glory and the honor of God. And the world is a dangerous place. There is no one who knows that better than I do. The world is a terribly dangerous place. And no one can break your heart like a kid can. You know that. But this morning in South America, there's a 20-year-old kid trying to rescue prostitutes because her parents taught her that God can do anything and that the safest place for her to live is at the center of his will, wherever it would lead her. And that's just the kind of church I want us to be. That's the kind of home I want to live in and the kind of kids that I want to raise. And that's why we've done this series. And to wrap up, we're going to just turn one more time to the New Testament letter of 2 Timothy. I'll invite you to turn there with me right now, 2 Timothy. That's on page 995, if you want to borrow a Bible from under the chairs in front of you. 2 Timothy is a letter that was written, uh, this is a bit of a review if you were here a while ago. 2 Timothy is a letter written to a young pastor named Timothy uh, who was afraid. He'd been given a difficult assignment. He did not love leadership. He didn't crave controversy. And God had put him in a position where uh, both of those things were present. So this is a great letter. If you are trying to figure out how to raise courageous kids in a strange world, this is a great letter for us to reflect on. And today we're just gonna read the first half of chapter two and ask the question like we did three weeks ago. All right, what, what did Paul do to encourage Timothy that we can be doing with our kids as well. Everybody got that? And then in addition, Paul actually anticipates in this scripture today, he anticipates three temptations that everyone's going to face, especially kids. And he addresses them with three parables about a, a, a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. Okay? So if you're there, let's jump into 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have a share of the crops. Think over what I say for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory, this saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we also will live with him. If we endure, we also will reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, take a look at that first verse. We're going to spend a whole bunch of time here. To be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It's a beautiful statement, and it implies that the grace of God makes us strong. I wonder how often we think about it that way. But the grace of God strengthens us. It makes us courageous, and it equips us to do what we're called to do. That's verse 2. That's an amazing thought. But what does it mean And what does it mean specifically for our kids? Well, first of all, the grace of God that's in Christ Jesus is just another way of of saying the gospel. That is the good news about everything God is and all that God has done, especially in Jesus, and who we are because of what God has done. That's the grace of God that's in Christ Jesus. And so the implication of that is that to strengthen a kid in grace simply means to let them know, to teach them again and again and again, all about those things, okay? So to be strengthened in the grace of God means to know, every kid has to know that God is sovereign. Okay, he really is in control. That's good news, isn't it? God is wise. He just knows things. He understands how things work. God is good. He never does anything wrong, and he's trustworthy. Kids need to know that God cares about them. God sees them and he cares about them and they need to know that. God doesn't mess with people to be funny. He doesn't play games with people's lives and he does not allow things into our lives without a purpose. God has purpose and his purpose is good. I mean, these are just, this is just gospel and these are things that every kid needs to know. So, this is why we teach theology to two-year-olds. Okay? When we tuck them in at night, and we say to them, honey, I want you to know that God is big, and God is good, and God cares for you. We talked about that several weeks ago. We tuck them in and we say, God is holy. Honey, what do you think that means that God is holy? Tell me. God is big. Buddy, what do you think that means? That that God is trustworthy or big. This is why we gather the family for worship as often as we can, and we try to find time for Bible reading at the kitchen table. We Quiz them on the catechism on the way to school because someday they're going to need strength, and the grace of God gives that to them. This is why we spent weeks in the fall teaching through the story of Joseph. Kids need to know that story. This is why when, you know when they're little we read the Jesus Storybook Bible to them, and when they're able to read on their own we give them the Action Bible because they need to see. David, Moses, Esther, Jonah, Peter. They they need to see these people were afraid too. And they were asked to do all the things that a kid is asked to do. Persevere in prayer and waiting on the Lord and so forth. So when they're afraid, they can say to themselves or more often you need to remind them. But you know you can trust God. Remember Joseph? Remember the disciples in the storm? Do you remember how afraid Esther was and what did God do? Be strengthened by the grace that's in Christ Jesus means they also need to understand who they are before the Lord. Okay, kids need to understand what sin is and they need to see it in their own life. You need to use the word sin at home and point it out to them. We have a famous story in my family about the first time Caleb sinned. He was eating peas. We said, we don't throw our peas on the floor. And he looked at mom and dad like this. <laughs> Boom. <gasps> it's not just misbehavior; it's sin. We help them understand they live their lives before a holy and righteous God. Children should fear the Lord. A child who doesn't fear the judgment of God does not live in reality. Be strengthened by the grace that's in Christ Jesus notices a command. It's a call to engage the heart and mind and let God's grace do something for you, do something to you. The grace of God strengthens us in a way that's totally unique. There are, the, the Bible, by the way, the Bible recognizes that there are other ways to be strengthened when you're afraid, okay? So somebody's probably taught you some coping mechanisms, they've taught you to meditate, they've taught you self-talk or something like that, okay, okay. I don't think the Bible would deny that there's some courage that might come from that, but only the grace of God actually strengthens you in what God is like. Only the grace of God strengthens you in his love. Only the grace of God makes your child bulletproof and humble at the same time. So Paul says, let that grace go to work on you. And fear is a golden opportunity for us to strengthen a kid in grace. All this theology they've been picking up when you took them in at night and all the catechizing and all the reading and all the Awana verses and all the faith kids teaching what they learn on Sunday morning worship. Fear is an opportunity for you to actually help them to put that stuff on. So just one example. And this has never, I'm sure, it never happened to anyone here before. But you're sitting in the, he's in the car and he's crying. You've just pulled up to the baseball field and he doesn't want to get out because he thinks he stinks and all the kids are mean to him. And he wants to quit. Now, there's a lot going on in that moment, right? And As a parent, you're, you're thinking through, okay, if I let him quit this, he's going to quit everything and he's going to wind up in prison smelling dope, selling dope, you know, it's just, you know how, d- 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 you take it out to the nth degree, if I let him quit this, th- he winds up dead in a gutter somewhere. And all the parents are looking at me now with their judgy eyes if I let him quit and we're supposed to bring snack and we're already late and, you, okay, the whole deal. And there's a lot going on, but there's also an incredible opportunity for you to strengthen him in the grace that's in Christ Jesus, and so we ask, buddy. Tell me what. Tell me what you're thinking right now. Tell me what you're feeling right now, and most of all, could you tell me what you're believing right now? And what's his answer going to be, class? I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's what you say. Okay, so I don't know. And so we say it's okay. Let's take some time. This is really, really important. What are you believing? Try to tell me. Because this is the moment when all the stuff you've been teaching finally begins to come together. And we get to say to him, buddy, since you were two years old, we've taught you that God is big, that he cares for you, and that he's trustworthy. What does that mean right now? It means that God is the one who brought this baseball team together. He appointed you for this time and this place. Remember that you're God's workmanship. We talked about that three weeks ago. You're God's workmanship and he's actually making something out of you right now. What do you need from God right now to get out of the car? Let's ask him for it. Let let me teach you how to pray and then see what God does. And you may decide in the end, by the way, that it's best to let him quit or that you need to push him through. But either way, you've just made God and what he's done in Jesus the center of that kid's world. You strengthened him in grace. The thing is, how often is God on the forefront of our minds in that moment? Not very often. So instead of this amazing, teachable, faith-building moment, what, what is it, class? Get out of the car. We are late. You are dragging your feet. We're in charge of snack. You want to quit? Let's see if you can finish this sentence. Quitters Quit right? And you're going to wind up selling dope and blah, 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 blah. And this is what's going to happen to you. Get out of the car. And his little you just watch his little heart just wither. I know that because I've been there. The other, just this, so I'm working on this sermon, working hard all day, finish the sermon, it's Thursday. Let's take the kids to Panda Express this week. So we take, go to Panda Express. One of the kids slips on the ice. The other kid makes fun of him. And then there's punching. And then there's yelling. And I'm just, and then colorful metaphors are used from dad, the preacher. And (laughs) he said, just, and I, you know, even in the moment I'm saying, God, like I know, like I know. This is an opportunity for me to strengthen them in grace. I have no idea what to do right now. I just said, who who punched who? I said, you know, you probably both deserved it, okay? What can we just go eat? I I just I just share that to say God does not need perfect parents. He doesn't need perfect grandparents. He doesn't need perfect youth workers. Okay. What he wants are people who will just say, "I have done this on my own too long, and I'm wrong. I'm sorry." If you're here this morning, some of you are—you—you you are new. I've met a number of you. You know, you just joined in the last few weeks or whatever, and you are listening to this, and you're thinking, "I." I hate this. I hate this. I didn't teach my kids theology. I don't even know what a catechism is. And my kid is 17. She doesn't care about spiritual things. She doesn't even really like me. And I don't know what to do. And I just, I just want to say God does not need your perfection, God wants you to be strengthened by the grace that's in Christ Jesus. He is big. He is good, and he cares about you. In the Panda Express parking lot, when you are swearing at your children, (laughs) he sees you, he will deal with you, okay? (laughs) So we're all, (laughs) just laughing, that's my eighth grader, okay? But he wants you to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And if you're here, and you your kids are grown, you haven't done any of the things that we've talked about, God can do more in one day in your family by faith than you will get done in a lifetime of perfect parenting. And so I invite you this morning, wherever you're at, to bring yourself before the Lord Jesus and to say, I've done this on my own long enough. I'm sorry, and I've done wrong. I'm not going to mock you by trying to pay for what I've done. I thank you for the cross of the Lord Jesus who has paid for all my sin. And I need you because I cannot do this on my own. God loves to strengthen that heart. Okay? Now, Paul anticipates then three temptations that Timothy is going to face, and he addresses him with these fun little parables. The first one is uh, the parable of the soldier. This is verses three and four if you look at it. And the message is simply this, Timothy, you're going to suffer and it's okay. You're going to suffer and it's okay. And every kid has to know that, okay? Soldiers accept suffering as a matter of course and are still devoted to the cause. No one gets to boot camp and is like, oh, there's yelling? I didn't, no one said there'd be yelling and and push-ups and I do not run and this food is barbed. Where's my TiVo? And no, said no soldier ever in the history of the world. That's what you signed up for. Okay? So they're not surprised. They take it as a matter of course. They even consider it an honor. Some people sign up to be Rangers and Marines and in the airborne because they love it. And they want to be a part of something special. And they suffer because they believe it's a cause worth suffering for. Kids, that is the Christian life. You have When you say yes to Jesus, you sign up to some degree for suffering. So parents and youth leaders and grandparents, give your kids some heroes. If you don't know who these people are, just go home and Google them today. Your kids need to know who Joni Erickson Tata is, okay? They need to know who Corey Ten Boom is. They need to know Eric Little. They need to know Perpetua from the 4th century and so on. There's actually a show on Right Now Media. If you don't have access to Right Now Media, just email me and I'll get y'all hooked up. There's a show on the kids page called Torchlighters. Our kids love it. It's cartoons about these heroes of the faith who've suffered for the Lord Jesus. You should tell them about Tony Dungy. Okay? If you haven't been paying attention, to what's going on? Just Google his name. You'll get an earful on Tony Dungy. But you show them this is what Tony Dungy's doing. Like, look at how he's being a. <laughs> look at what's happening. Let's watch him tonight on TV. Let's watch the way he handles himself this week. Because this is what he said yes to. Tony Dungy is not like, oh my goodness, people don't like this? Oh, and he's not writing carefully crafted statements and trying to save his job. But no no soldier hears the bullet singing and, oh no, 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 this is not what I signed up for. And your kids need to know that, okay? Second parable is the parable of the athlete. And his point is simply this, you're gonna be tempted to take shortcuts and to please people, don't. You're gonna be tempted to take shortcuts and to please people, don't do it. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The Christian life is often compared to a race or to an athletic competition. And Paul is just saying, you have to run lawfully. You're not just free to make up whatever rules you want for this, okay, and this is, Confusing for kids, it can be a source of fear because being identified as loyal to God's law will get you in a lot of trouble. Just ask Tony Dungy, things like that, okay? And, and someday, kids, someone on TikTok or YouTube or something like that, is gonna, you're going to see a video that talks about how inane and stupid and useless the law of God is, and it's going to begin like this, and they might even be famous, <gasps> so, but they'll say, let's look at Leviticus. And it says you shouldn't get tattoos and you shouldn't eat pork and you shouldn't have clothing made out of two kinds of material. And Christians do that all the time. So I guess we're free to do whatever the heck we want. This is by people who don't know how to read the Bible and don't know the difference between the law of, of Moses and the universal moral law of God. We've talked about that many times here. If you have questions about that, that, I'd love to talk it through with you. But here's the, the headline. Kids, you are bound by the universal moral law of God. And what you do, the law of God cannot save you. It draws you to the cross of Jesus because it exposes your weakness. But it also shows us what we're called to and what the Spirit is going to do in you. So Christians really are to be unfailingly honest, kind, good, loving, pure, Not perfectly, but truly, from the heart. And someone someday is going to tell you that that's a load of baloney. I'm just telling you now, an athlete that makes up his own rules gets disqualified. Don't be disqualified by someone on TikTok. Please call me first. Last parable is the hardworking farmer. And the point is, someday, Timothy, you're going to wonder is this really worth it? It is. It really is. That word, by the way, hardworking, that word, it's actually stronger. It's usually translated toiling. The hardworking farmer toils. Like sometimes it just takes grit. Sometimes the Christian life is a grind, and that's the point. A couple of weeks, three weeks ago, if you're a teenager, you know, I, I challenged you, I said teenagers, it's, it's time for you to start learning to walk by faith. You've got to get in the driver's seat. You've got to start driving. This week I get to add, just so you know, kids, sometimes the Christian life is a grind. And you've got to grind it out. And it's what you're made for. And God will give you what you need to do that. But farmers farm by faith. They do what they're doing because they trust the process. And year after year has shown, if I do the right things at the right time, sooner or later, good things happen. And that is the Christian life. We do the right things at the right time and we trust God with the result. Awana leaders, with your little cubbies and your TNTs, refuge leaders, Parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, faith kids, teachers, I promise if you do this for more than three months, a day is coming when you'll say, is this really worth it? It is. It is. Consider the hardworking farmer and toil with hope. And above all, he says, this is verse 8, above all, remember Jesus. Timothy, remember Jesus. That's the bottom line for today. That's the bottom line for this whole series. Whether you're a kid this morning or you're raising kids, remember Jesus. Risen from the dead, the offspring of David. Why does he choose those two things to highlight for Timothy? Risen from the dead, the offspring of David. I think the offspring of David is a reminder that Jesus was truly human, just as we are. He was tempted in all the ways that we are. He endured all the things that we endure. Kids, you need to know there will never be anything God asks you to do that Jesus has not done already. All of these things, the soldier, the athlete, the farmer, Jesus is all of those things. He's already done all that. He faced suffering and he was raised from the dead. He kept the law of God on our behalf and now he reigns over all things. He lived like by faith like a farmer. And now he's seeing the harvest come in. That The nations are being gathered into the church even as we speak together this morning. Hebrews 12.2 says, For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. There is nothing you will ever face or be asked to do that Jesus has not faced. So be brave. Be brave. And here is a trustworthy saying for everybody. If we die with him, we will live with him. If we endure, what does it say? We will reign with him. If we are faithless, he will still be faithful. He cannot deny himself. So run with endurance. Mostly, I think this verse is just a reminder that Jesus is king. He is risen from the dead, He's the long and Messiah, and his word cannot be bound. That's, the, that's verse 8, that's, or verse 9. His word cannot be bound. You can lock up his people, you can throw them in chains, you can kill them. The word of God cannot be contained. That's our next series, by the way. Whatever it costs to follow Jesus, wherever he leads you, there is no safer place for you than wherever he calls you. Let's pray together before we sing. Why don't you stand wherever you are? If you're near a kid and you know them, why don't you just put a hand on their head, a hand on their shoulder, something like that? If you don't know them, maybe you want to meet them first. Let's pray for each other. Father, all has been said now. And we commit this series and this time and these people, especially our kids, into your hand. We trust you with our children more than we trust ourselves. And together we pray again with so many in this congregation who are waiting for you. We pray again that you would work in their sons and daughters who are far from home. We ask you to have mercy today, to do whatever is needed, to bring them to the end of themselves. And we ask today that you would awaken their will to return to you. Father, we are always aware of so many couples who long to have children, but you have withheld that gift. We pray with them today that you would have mercy, that you would hear their cry. And we ask you to strengthen the hands of every parent, every youth worker, every teacher. Strengthen the hands of every person that feels the weight of raising kids. Help them to be strong in grace and strengthen this church with gifts for service and evangelism and leadership and teaching and everything that is needed for the challenge of this moment. Most of all this morning, God, would you raise up in this time and place a generation that will love and fear your name? and whose desire would be for your glory among all the nations. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. If you agree, say amen. 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 Let's sing.